got something to say. Always got something to say. So what I wanted to say this morning is, um, especially for the visitors, and I say this often, and I, st- I stopped saying it because I say it almost every week, but this is not a normal church service. Um, this is not what our services normally look like, but, but we don't really believe in services. We don't believe in liturgies. We don't believe in an order of things. And so God just keeps on moving, and as He moves, we want to be flexible and sensitive. And so I wanted to, I wanted to pick out two people that God put on my heart this morning. And it's probably gonna surprise you, but I felt like God's saying, He wants to speak to you in front of everybody because He wants you to know that He sees you. And so the first person is Heidi. You totally didn't expect that. But I, I felt I actually, actually started crying over you um, because I felt like God was crying over you. And I had the sense that there was, during worship, you had a question, or recently you've had this question that you've been asking God, and I felt like God's answer is yes, that this is a safe place, that you've been looking for a safe place, and you've, you've struggled to find a safe place, but that, but that this is a safe place, and that God's people can be a safe place for you, and you don't have to ask, you don't have to wonder, you don't have to worry, but that... And I'm not saying necessarily this church, but I'm just saying God's people is a safe place for you, okay? And the other person I wanted to, to call out quickly is Pierre. And I wanted to say to you, well, I felt like God wanted to say to you that you belong, that He sees you, and that you're one of us. And there are moments when you wonder if you are, and there's moments where you're like, that's them. But I felt like God's saying, but you're one of us. You're part of the body. When, when, when everybody, when Eddie was talking earlier about the different parts of the body, you're part of that body. You're not having an outer body experience. You're having an inner body experience because you're one of us. And I just felt like God wants to say that to you. Is that cool? All right. So the reason I'm up here is, uh, is because I wanted to announce something this morning. Robert, come stand with me. Robert's going to be sharing with us this morning. Um, but the reason he's going to be sharing with us this morning is because uh, we had a coffee recently. And uh, you might have heard rumors, coffees aren't always bad things. Coffees with me are actually often quite encouraging, right? Yeah, yeah there we go. Um, but we were having coffee the other day. And we were talking about their upcoming wedding that's, that's on the cusp a month away. Yeah, and they're getting married on a Sunday, on Sunday the 29th of November, 27th, so I wrote it down here, Sunday the 27th of November, they're going to be getting married, and while they were talking, while he was talking to me about how they're preparing, God said to me, and you will all be there. And so you are all invited to this wedding. And there's the invite. And you might notice on the invite that it is nine o'clock on Sunday morning. 
And there are parts of you that will be going like, but Ian, that's when we, that's when we meet. That's, that's when we have our service. And I wanted to remind us that God isn't in meetings. God isn't in services. God is in His people. We're a, we're a living temple. And so here's a crazy thought. On Sunday, the 27th of November, Milnerton will not be meeting. We'll be going to a wedding. And, uh, you guys aren't helping me. I'm trying not to cry here. But the reason we're going to this wedding is not because Ian likes change. Ian doesn't like change. Ian likes consistency. I'm like, Dan, I want a system. I want a plan. But I felt like God's saying that this is a significant moment for us as a family. We're a family, and this is a significant moment, and this is an opportunity for us to get together, not just as the family of Milnerton, but to get together with our family in Weinberg. And so, and so Weinberg are also not having a church service on Sunday morning, but we are both getting together as a congregation. We're going to them because their venue's bigger than ours, but we're all going to be meeting together in their venue. And it's going to be church, but it's not going to be church. And the picture that God gave me was this picture of the wedding feast. And for all of us that are Christians, all of us that are saved, we shouldn't be living for now. We should be living for one day when we get to stand before our bridegroom, Jesus. And so it's, gonna, it's really exciting for me, the opportunity to, 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 like in this day and age, to live out the wedding feast that we're all going to participate one day in then, but we're going to do it now as well. So you guys are all welcome. It's going to be amazing. And, uh, and I had a feeling, and, and the feeling that I had was the sense of giving. And there's this moment in a wedding when the, the bride walks up to the front, and, and the person who's, who's leading the, the service will say, who gives this bride? And the father would traditionally stand up and say, I, I give this bride, and then sits down again. And I had this sense that as I was talking to Robert, we're going to do that part, but then we're also going to do a part where we're going to say, who gives this man? And then we as a family. We as a family, we're going to have the privilege of giving this man. And so I want to encourage you, I want to invite you. It's going to be a very special day. Um, and we're all going to be part of it. And I don't want anybody to miss. And so that's what I was saying earlier, like for the visitors, this isn't, we don't do church. We are the church. And so every time we meet, when God wants to do something different, He does it. And so I want you guys to come expectant. And if, you, if you've got somebody... It's, it's, and this is a weird thing because normally for a wedding, it's like, oh, but we, we don't know numbers, so we, we got to limit it. I want to say, if, if you know people that need to know Jesus, that need to know the family of Jesus, this is an opportunity to bring people to meet with the King and to see that we're not just a group of people that do things differently. We're a group of people that know and love our King. And so I want to use this as an outreach opportunity. And so if you do know people, 
I'm gonna say though, it is a wedding. So we are gonna need to RSVP because there are things we need to plan. But if God puts somebody on your heart, if God says to you, this is gonna break open this person, then don't miss it. Invite that person and give that person a lift because it's far, we're going to Weinberg. By Cape Town standards, it's far. By Joburg standards, it's like going to visit your neighbor. But, but, but it's gonna be amazing, don't miss it. All right, and with that, I'm gonna hand over to Robert and he's gonna share a little bit about his journey and I'm gonna say worship team, thank you. Maybe I wouldn't have cried if you guys weren't playing. Robert's going to share a little bit about his journey that he's been on. And when I met him, this was not what he foresaw a year ago when I met him the first time we had coffee. And uh, yeah, so I asked him if he could share something of his journey. So guys, please bring your passports as it is far. I've had my passport maxed out in these trips back and forth. <laughs> um, yeah, yo. So, my journey started a year and a half ago. I felt like God was stirring something in me. I started getting itchy feet. I couldn't sit still, which is quite normal, but this was an excessive amount of not being able to sit still. I was in Joburg and things had lined up that I was becoming free. I'd moved to Joburg, I was in a three year contract and that started just falling away and I was like, okay God, let's go do something. And in my heart, I was going to Poland and it was gonna be cold, it was gonna be scary. And yeah, so I left Joburg, I'd sold everything and I was gonna go visit my sister in Namibia, spend a couple of months with her and then head towards Poland. And this was COVID times, so it was faith. God, do you want me in Poland? I'm willing to go, but I'm moving around. So I ended up in Namibia, and at that point in time, my sister had just left the church they were going to, and they had started a crowded house. God is sovereign. God is incredible how all these little threads, all these little rivers lead to where he wants you. So their first meeting at crowded house was my first meeting at crowded house. It was incredible. I served there for the five months. They had nobody on sound, so I just jumped in and spent five months on sound. Got to know Andre very well. I wasn't working, so I was on holiday. I could spend a lot of time serving in the church, and I drove around with the people. And yeah, my first week in Namibia, I realized I wasn't going to Poland. <laughs> so then it was, okay, now how do I tell people that I've left normal worldly life to follow God's journey. So Poland stayed in the air as just a conversation point. Loved Namibia, I yeah, just loved building in the church and this 412 thing came around. At that point in time, there was a lot of feeding into Crowded House. So Andre came, Conrad came, there was a lot of pouring into 412 and I was skeptic, I was like, mm, what is this? Is it a cult? <laughs> As often gets accused. And so yeah, anyway, left Namibia, landed up in Cape Town, 22nd of October last year. Less than 24 hours, I met my fiance. And God is just, he's so incredible. 
So I had a group of friends in Joburg, and they said to me, we're going on a hike. Can we have dinner with you? And I was like, no, I'm in Namibia. I'm only coming in a week's time. And I just felt a stirring. Okay, let's go to this dinner. At that dinner, Michelle was there. She had left this group of friends six months before I had met them. So it's almost like God was preparing this, this place. Um, came here, met her Friday, Sunday met Ian, and I walked straight up to him and I said, we're having coffee, when suits you? He goes, what does your work schedule look like? I'm not working, let's have coffee on Monday. And I think he said, no, we'll have coffee on Tuesday. <laughs> like those guys are way too excited. So I rock up to coffee with my little notebook and I had questions. And Ian's like such a big heart. He just took these things and at the end, I told him Poland, he laughed at me. <laughs> and at the end, I was like, hey, speak into my life. And I think that's when our friendship just was cemented. It was he, the willingness to accept and he said to me, I must die to self. And this year has been the journey of dying even more to self. I thought I had achieved it, but <laughs> it's many layers. <laughs> now I'm getting married, that's going to die to self <laughs> even more. So it's almost like I feel Ian was preparing me for that. But just being here and sitting with Ian and just meeting the Josh Jen guys, it's, it felt like there was no pressure. It just felt like there was such family, such love, and like an overshadow of people that had got your back that you could listen and be obedient to God. You weren't trying to fight the world and still be obedient to God at the same time. So that was November through to January, and I'd, I mean, the moment there was interest with Michelle and I, I went to Ian, and he was like, but you're going to Durban. Stop. Sorry, Ian. <laughs> so yeah, I went to Durban. Um, sorry, backtrack a bit. From Namibia, Andre had phoned the Doshjen office, and he had told the guys to expect Robert. And it was such a welcoming just coming in with how the family, without even knowing about it, has just like sort of laid place and looked after me. A little guy that wanted to go to Poland and do his own thing. And now it's just been this whole family around me, which has been great. I left here, went to Durban because my granddad was going through chemo treatment. And some good news there, the cancer is not gone, but it's very weak. So that's an incredible thing. There's still hope for his salvation. Um, and just from Durban, I went straight to Risen Hope, and it was the same story, the same sense of family. So they're a church that planted out a PE, and it was the same thing, just a warm welcome. Just, yeah, it just felt like God was giving me a hug the whole way through. Then I kept in touch with Ian. Ian was always my person I was accountable to. So as much as what I was temporarily in Durban, I said to Matt, hey, like, we're here because I'm in proximity. I still want to get fed. But my accountability for now is at Ian. And it was just such an incredible journey of Ian. And not because it's Ian, but it's, I think Ian's obedient. <laughs> but yeah, just such an incredible journey of, hey, how are you doing? How are things going? And just changing lanes and checking with Ian first. Hey, it's that accountability to, to the leaders and and those people that speak into your life. And I had a great opportunity in Durban come up and made me feel so anxious and made Ian feel anxious. 
and then we figured out that it was a distraction and let that go. And it was just so nice having somebody with you to be able to plan these things. And yeah, it's just, it's more a witness than a testimony of how incredible the church has been. I left Durban, in Durban I saw two other 412 churches, went on outreaches. I came back here in March and it's just also this continuous journey of submitting, not trying to do things in your own space, having faith that God's gonna come through. I came here, no job, looked for a job, looked hard, was getting stressed and frustrated. The water was cold, so you can only go swim so much. <laughs> and just at the same time, having faith, God, what have you got planned? What have you got planned? And being still and listening to him, because he's speaking to you. He's, he's there, and it's, I can make it work on my own, but it's not what God wants. And it is that, just, what do you want, God? And it's just, it's been such a growth for me to test my faith and to practice submission to another level. Do you think you've got an idea of what it is? You don't. There's <laughs> my, my favorite saying was, I'm tired of getting hurt. I'm tired of getting in my own way. It sucks and it's painful. Just die to self. And, and at the end, it's just been an incredible amount of fruit of not trying to do things yourself. God's patient and it's taught me to be patient. Um, I'm getting sidetracked. But yeah, so an incredible journey, really just feel the love and how sovereign God is. And you think you've got a plan and no, just meeting the people. And honestly, like this has been incredible. I wouldn't trade this for going to Poland. This, the family here, I feel like it's home. And that is, it's the people I've built. It's not even knowing, just being around people. You're building, you're spending time in relationship and it's a gentle knitting of hearts. It's, yeah, there's no words. Like, I'm lost for words, and I think that leads into why we want everybody to to come and join, and it's to glorify God. It's it's for Him. It's for nothing else but for God. The um to to finish up through Namibia, there's been a prophecy that has always come up around me, and the prophecy has been me with orphans. And I've tried to unpack what that means. And there's two or three ways that I've seen it. And it's actually with orphan children or with people of loss, so people that have got lost spirits. And the incredible thing is every prophetic workshop or prophetic training I've gone to, that has come up multiple times, more than once. And it's incredible that when I say back to the people, you're spot on. It's so encouraging for them that they can hear God's voice. And I just say to them, this is the fourth time, the fifth time, the sixth time. And seeing the light go on in their eyes has been the most tremendous gift. And it's been obedient. I've, yeah, give God the glory. Yeah, Robert, you've, you've been such a blessing to us. Um, I've been so blessed by this time of knowing you, uh, thinking back when you joined, just how you gave yourself. You were just quick to jump in, quick to get involved with our worship and sound team, and there was just no holding back. You just, you just jumped in. So well done. We, we love having you as part of our family.
Another man that we love having part of our family is Warren. And I'll rather say things at the end, so I'm going to give Warren the mic to share. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm not going to sing. I can't sing very well. Okay, so I, up until now, this last 30 seconds, I wasn't at all nervous. <laughs> now I'm nervous. Um, I just want to apologize to Danny and say no scriptures for you. I'm going to read old school out of the Bible. Okay, so, so I'm going to try and slow this down because uh, my, my, when I'm getting excited, I talk really fast. So this will probably only take 30 seconds. I'm going to try and make it take a little longer than the 30 seconds. Um, Ian asked me to speak on my journey into, into discovering family. Um, so I'm calling this a 46-year journey. And uh, I'm not 46. I'm 51. And uh, that's because I was saved when I was five. So 46-year journey. Um, but the cherry on top is the last seven months has been the incredible kind of rocket ship ride into family. So there's been a massive jump, but a f let's just say a 45 and a bit year learning curve. So, and it's been really good. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump around a little bit, but uh, I trust that uh, if you guys just, if you lose me, just put your hand up and say, I've lost you and I'll backtrack a little bit, but go from there. Okay, around seven months ago, um, as a family, Inga, myself, two kiddies, we visited this church, uh, Mullet and Josh Jen. We're so glad we did too. <laughs> yeah. We were in the process of finding a new church family. Once settled, we visited a few other Josh Jen churches just to get a feel of Josh Jen as a whole. Um, you know, you kind of want to know. We also had that cult thing, you know, we also thought it was a cult. We invited Ian and Kate around to, to ask them about it as well. So if anybody's feeling that, you're welcome to speak to me about that too. I can settle you on that one. Okay, so I got a sense of unity, and this was because of a common denominator, Christ in us. Um, in the beginning it was, but as I've journeyed, a seemingly short journey these last seven months or so, I've discovered this common denominator was, was and always has been the start line. And that for most of my life, I've camped here. So if you want to take my 46 years, I've camped Christ with us, Christ in us. That's where I've camped, at that start line. I never thought of any more than that as family. That, that was family. Okay? I must be honest, uh, I'm going to repeat myself here. I didn't think there was any more to it than that. Somehow the connection of God lavishing his love on us and therefore creating an overflow from us to others was never made. So I'm just going to jump to scripture. If you've got your Bibles, you're welcome to, to go with me or your or apps or whatever. Um, this is a very simple one. It's John 3.16, which you all probably know and can recite. Um, let me just get it. I'm actually quite excited. I can remember where the books you know, are in the Bible because I expected to not know where any one of them were. I, I've, even, I've even put the number of the page in my, in my notes in case I forget. Okay. 
So let's, uh, I'm still busy finding it, John 3, 16. Okay. <laughs> Danny. <laughs> okay, I'm going I'm to do what everybody else does. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, that, that is basically the salvation message right there. But that's not why that's there. This is, this is why I've, I've put that up there. Even though a father freely giving his son ex in exchange for a fallen world is incredibly challenging to comprehend. I mean, anybody, dad here, who's willing to give their child up? Divan, are you willing to give your kid up? No? Jono? No? Me? No? It's, it's not a thing that's, that, that I think you would do freely. Um, so... The bottom line, the bottom line is to, to comprehend this is, is incredible, that, that God would just say, yes, for a fallen world, for people that would probably or most likely never serve me, I'm going to do it. I mean, that's, that's incredible love right there. Um, I never seem to join those dots, though. That, uh, I never thought of running into family. So that scripture was a salvation message to me, but it didn't somehow make me run into family. I just didn't. You see, I've run the race for many years. In my early years, I ran for recognition, um, and I acquired many badges in the process. This is in Christendom. I found myself busy with church stuff. Um, every night of the week, I was busy. Every night, except on Sundays, I was busy on Sunday mornings, not in the evenings, but I was busy every single week, um, day of the week. The pursuit for recognition I found requires a large commitment. Um, I was a youth leader. I was a cell leader. For those that don't know, it's, that's a comm leader. I was on the prayer team, the ministry team, the deliverance team, and I even found time for the odd preach um, um, on the odd occasion. I ran for selfish ambition and for the approval of man. This is me being true. And even in that state, God used me and man recognized me. It's incredible. It's incredible. So we're going to jump to Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4. I might not be reading out of the old school Bible. <laughs> Let's just see. <laughs> there you go. Look at that. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Before recently, a few years ago, I counted myself more significant than anybody else because I wanted the badges. I wanted the recognition. It was about me. And it was about me serving God, but it was about me more than me serving God. Okay, so uh, I'm hoping I'm making sense to people. Um, in the end, my race for recognition came to nothing. I was still lonely, and I found all my badge hunting brought me little joy, very little joy. Psalm 16 verse 11, please. So I'm getting used to this. This is good. <laughs> yeah. So there, yeah, we can see 
You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So where do we find joy? Presence of God. It's very simple. It's funny when you're running for the wrong things that these scriptures just don't seem to highlight themselves in your Bible. It's just flat. It's nothing. So I was trying to find joy in works. Even through a religious, uh, even though religiously I find myself studying the Word of God. And I, 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 back a few years ago, I used to properly study the Word of God. We're talking about Greek and Aramaic, like everything. Study, study the Word of God. And, and I was doing that. But this scripture, Psalms 16 verse 11, never seemed to stand out. Even though I was studying, just never stood out. Because I was running with the wrong focus. Um. But the desire for God continued to burn inside of me. Um, quite a few years passed, and I found myself in another church. So when I say quite a few years, I'm probably talking about 18 to 20 years. Um, I found myself in another church. When I joined, my thoughts went something like this. And you'll see how God had started working but wasn't quite there yet. These were my thoughts. Surely they can see all my credentials and who I am. It won't be long before I'm right on top. Those were my thoughts. God had other plans. He heard my thoughts, because he can, but he had other plans. You see, the time for, was right to start showing me family from God's perspective. For the next three years, man ignored my credentials. I felt like no one even spoke to me. But people did, and they were friendly to me, but I felt like no one spoke to me. It was, it was a hard time. And God just stayed right next to me and walked with me, arm around, and just, he just comforted me, knowing what he was allowing to happen. He knew it. Um, but there was a work he needed to achieve. Um, by the end of those three years, God had faithfully and completely dealt with my badge hunting and my selfish ambitions. I no longer needed people to recognize me. I no longer needed um, badges. I, I no longer had a selfish ambition. I realized that it was God. That's what I wanted. He started showing me true family in actions. Sometimes, it's going a bit fast again, eh? sometimes through love, um, sometimes tough love is necessary. I had met and married Inga by this time, if you don't know, there's my wife. Um, and we found ourselves passionate about journeying with people and sharing life and God together. Quite a few more years passed, 18 years. And we found ourselves, yeah, Josh Jen Mullerton, where the work really started. The very first thing I noticed was the love of God on your faces. That's what I noticed. I wanted that. I was desperate. I saw it, and my first prayer was, God, I want that. I want that. I want that. I saw the love of God in your faces. Not you, JJ. Yeah. <laughs> Only joking. Uh, yeah, and I said I wanted that. So, John 13, 35, please. Another scripture that I had read many times, but it never seemed to drop. 
By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So that there is a scripture which is an example of what you are. Disciples of God, you love people. You do. You loved me. And I just walked through the doors. And amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I noticed people were interested in me and open to discussion about anything. Robert and I spoke about cars. I mean, anything. It wasn't godly stuff necessarily. A new key into what family was was starting to show itself. Ian shared a prophetic word with us one Sunday, which I must admit I sucked up and I like nodded and I was very tough on the ex-chair. I was like, yeah, cool, whatever. And I went home. And I don't know if he actually even thought that that touched at all. <laughs> um, I have told him since that it did. Um, but when I went home, Inger and I, we, we spoke about the prophetic word. And I cried like a baby. It was so, so true and so real. Um, it broke me. Um, and I've, I've been a reasonably tough guy most of my life. I feel like I can take up any challenge and it's, I'm not gonna break. But that thing, it broke me. And uh, uh, God was busy breaking off old mindsets and old concepts um, of family that were flawed. Christine was very, not here. <laughs> she was here, in, in my notes she was here. A snack for later. Christine was front-footed inviting us to join a com. To put it simply, she, she was inviting us to, into her family and the larger Josh Chen family. I didn't realize this until much later. I thought it was just like somebody being friendly and, and, and you know, kind of like we knew yes, everyone. It wasn't that. It was actually real and genuine. It turned out to be Devon and Louise's um, com. Uh, and uh, we found that out on the third time, I think, because we ended up at their house. Um, and, and they just pulled us right in with open acceptance. Just come in. Easy, quick. And there was another expression of family. So God was starting to show me what family was in small ways, little things. We were invited to a picnic in the park by Roxy and Zane. And I started seeing family in action. God was at work. There was no jumping through heaps, hoops, no milestones to achieve, just a raw, down-to-earth acceptance and an underlying, continually flowing river of God's love. Shortly after, we heard that Devon and Louise's com was multiplying, which seems to happen often in Josh Chen. So you kind of can't ever like sit down, settle down and say, these are my peeps, it doesn't work. Um, and that we had to choose where to go. So it's like we knew there, and it's like, okay, these are the, the comms, you can make a decision. And uh, at this point, we hadn't had the chance to get to know people well, just that we were accepted, um, and they freely loved on us. So we prayed, and both felt to join Hintiki and B's com. Are you ready, Hintiki, uh, B? You ready? Okay. They invited us in with open arms which showed it not to be a once-off thing, but rather a godly principle in action. So it's an encouragement, again, to, to com leaders. 
what you're doing is a godly principle. You're loving on people, and it just seems to come naturally, uh, which is amazing. Ian had previously told me to run. It wasn't a run away while you can, you know, get out of this place kind of run, <laughs> but rather a run wild, run in God, run anywhere. You have the freedom. Wow. What an expression of what family looks like in the kingdom. God was very busy working in, in me, and I was starting to take note. I woke up. Sorry if uh, I get teary. Even though these are like within the course of about seven months, they're still very fresh um, uh, in me. I woke up one morning. This is a little funny. Thank you. I may not use this because I'm a male. Okay. <laughs> um, just letting you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going to just snuck. I'm going to suck it up. <laughs> okay. I woke up one morning and during the evening while asleep, God placed a love in me for NCKNB. At first, I ignored it. <laughs> but it persisted. I found myself a bit giddy, like excited. And I knew this kind of love. It was similar to my experience with anger. But this was not anger. It was a couple and a dude. <laughs> so I did what any self-respecting person would do. I decided to ignore it and hope it would just fade away. Eventually I couldn't. And made a very awkward call to Nsiki. I proceeded to tell him that I love, love him. NB. And that I didn't know what to do with it, but thought that he should know. God is doing some major adjustments. You see, as people were loving on me, it started breaking down walls until I could also freely love on others. It's a very simple thing. God's very simple in what he does in, in that sense. He just, he asks you to do something and that just explodes something in somebody else. Around the same time I was grappling going to the 412 conference because that was being advertised over and over and over and over. <laughs> my, my initial thoughts were that it was just a glorified meeting. Show up, listen to some people, yawn a bit, go home, complain, done. You know? So, if we can go to Acts 2, Acts 2, 42, please. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And fellowship to the breaking of bread and, and the prayers. That scripture I've read probably in my life thousands of times, possibly. But devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching never stood out, never meant a thing. It was just a bunch of words. But that day, God exploded 
that scripture in my heart. I found myself suddenly wanting to be at the 412 conference and saying, I need to be there. I need to devote myself to the teaching of the apostles. It means so much. It turned out to be a glory-filled conference, not a glorified conference. God had just removed another preconceived idea of family. Inga and I had been quite to quite a few Joshian churches, and thanks to Nadine, on quite a few prophetic outreaches. And looking back, God had been busy at each one of these. He kept showing me family, love, acceptance, and warmth. He kept inviting me in with open arms. He kept lavishing his love on me. He was being, he was being very intentional. He's being very intentional with each one of us all the time. The latest prophetic outreach was to Josh Jen Dunoon. And again, God showed up. When I walked in, I felt like I'd been there before. It felt like home. It was so good to love on anyone and everyone, to celebrate Jesus. God has opened my eyes to his bride. He's passionate about his bride and he's inviting us to be passionate about her too. Ephesians 5, 3 says, I know if there's a next time that I must give this to you beforehand. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. That's the bride. Right there, that's the bride. We the bride. God's inviting us to be passionate about that so that we can be represented without spot, wrinkle, and blemish to our bridegroom. So why am I telling you this? I firmly believe that God is inviting us all to, <coughs> all to share in his love for the bride, to commit ourselves to one focus, one vision, and that's the king and his kingdom, his thoughts towards a fallen world and his thoughts towards his bride. Simply put, is your experience similar? Do you feel adopted into his family? How would you get to have a greater family experience? I've got some points. One, submit your desire to God. Submit your desire to your com leader. Be prepared to be vulnerable with others. Be accepting of being loved by others and at the same time allow God to remove baggage. Reset mindsets and restore your heart's condition in order for you to love on others. This has been a very long and at the same time very short journey for me and is definitely still ongoing. I would love to invite you to join me on this journey of loving the bride.
Sure. <clears throat> well done, Warren, for making us all cry. And what I can say is that God answered your prayer. You said that you prayed that people would see the love of God on your face. And I can say that I can see the love of God in your face. Um, no, I want to cry. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll be very weak if I use the tissues now. <laughs> Yeah, I really just want to commend you, Warren and Inga, for also, like uh, Robert, for your commitment and the way that you've given yourself, the way that you've, I think of the prophetic words that you felt for people, the way that you write them down and make a point of sharing it. It's been such a blessing. We've been so blessed by, by the two of you. So everyone, I know it's past 11. Thanks for um, just your, your time. Um,